Big Swinging Stocks acknowledges the traditional custodians of Australia's lands, skies and waterways and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is brought to you by SelfWealth and operates under AFSL number 421789 as general advice only. Because we can't take into account your personal objectives or financial situation, you should seek independent professional financial advice before making any investment decision. For more information and our financial disclosure statement, check the show notes. They can pay dividends. Hasn't really reacted yet dramatically. Retail is not all alike. And what a crash to be invested into. Price wage spiral. Very overvalued. That was adorable. That sector ran and it ran hard. Demand is still not normalized. What are the big moves happening in retail next year? Hello and welcome to another episode of Big Swinging Stocks. 2022 is closing out and most investors will be happy to see it go. While the ASX is currently hovering around six-month highs, it has been an emotional ride. What even happened? How did we get here? And why were we so stressed about it when we could have all just kept calm and dollar-cost averaged? After speaking to Peter Thornhill and learning of his sector-specific investment tastes, we've decided to close out 2022 by recapping the ASX's best and worst-performing sectors. Each week, we'll take you through each of the major investing sectors before the year is out. Today, we're starting with retail. You've got your Michael Hills, your Nick Scarleys, and your Harvey Normans, but also other large retailers not egregiously named after someone's dad. To teach us about the drivers between their dips and swings and what exciting developments are on the horizon for 2023, we've got Morningstar's Director of Equity Research, specialising in retail stocks, Johannes Fowl. Hello and welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Hey, Alex. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be on the call. We're on the podcast. I'm so excited because we get to talk about my favorite thing, shopping, because you're an analyst who specializes in retail. But what does that mean except knowing when all the best Black Friday bargains are going to be? Well, obviously, that's the most important thing (laughs) (laughs) to to know know when to shop. But uh, yeah, like covering retail is obviously super interesting. Um, it is it is something that, that everybody can experience and everybody sees in in day to day life. Not every one of us can can visit a chemical plant or or a mining site on a day to day basis, which keeps retailing really interesting. Um, anybody can relate to it. Any investor. Yeah, that's such a good point. There's probably a bit more familiarity and, and, and tangibleness for investors. They're, they're familiar with the brands. But it's really interesting to me because obviously we're familiar with these brands. Perhaps some in, people listening to this podcast might be invested in retail, either passively or directly. You work in this sector. Are you invested in it yourself? Well, the unfortunate thing as an equity analyst is you're generally barred from investing in the stocks that one covers, which means uh-huh. I am not directly invested. But as, as you go. said, <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. The stocks that you know a lot about and even where you see a, a lot of potential, mm-hmm. you cannot dip your toes into. But as you said, most Australian investors that have um, that, that are invested in indices, they, they will indirectly or passively be invested in equities because some of the biggest stocks in Australia – are retailing stocks like Woolworths or West Farmers. Yeah, that's such a good point. So people might not even realize what's in their basket in their ETF. It might all, you know, lick as the case may be. We always love to ask guests on the show because we love to peek behind the curtain. You're obviously now Director of Research at Morningstar. What was your first investing memory? How did this all kick off as an interest for you? 
It's interesting. I was more or less forced into it <laughs> by, by my father, who, who, once I finished high school, had a chat to me and said, you must invest a part of your income mm. in equities. Good advice. And just put away money mm. every, every month and just put it into a fund. So that's my earliest memory is after high school, shuffling away a bit of money each month and putting it into, into a managed fund back in the day. And I didn't get into direct equities until later when the dot-com bubble was still a bubble. So that oh, was a, so you were, oh, wow, what a, what a bull was, market to be investing in at the time. And, and, and what a crash to be invested in too. So that, yeah. so there were a lot of learnings to, to come out of that. And thankfully, what that was early on in my investing career when there was not a hell of a lot of money at stake. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of big dips and swings, as we love, you know, it's our namesake. Uh, we've just had Black Friday. I want to talk a little bit about how that kind of an event swings the retail sector from an investing perspective. Well, from an investment investing perspective and the way Morningstar looks at investing is we take a, a, a longer term approach. Our recommendations aren't aren't around near term trading or, or or volatility. It's it's around value. Mm. And uh, you know, most most of the value of a company is, is is generally driven by by the long term outlook on these companies. So, to your point, uh, there, there's a lot happening. There's a lot of volatility in, in retail near term. We don't pay much attention to that. We follow it, but it actually doesn't affect the value of a company that much, whether whether or not they have a great one month's worth of trading mm. or not. Obviously, the long term is made out of a lot of short terms. So we we do we do keep the pulse and and we do we do follow closely how companies are faring. But whether or not Black Friday sales were up ten percent or five percent for for certain retailer, if they don't structurally take market share or anything yeah. like that, it it doesn't really impact the valuation. It doesn't really impact the valuation. Well, it's it's yeah. interesting though because Black Friday. Is, it's an American holiday. It's the Friday after Thanksgiving. It's now bigger than Boxing Day, which used to be Australia's largest sales event. But yeah. it did see a huge influx of capital into, and it might not have been correlated, but I'm curious for your views on why was that happening? Why were people investing big? And what would you say to an investor who perhaps might have decided to buy big on stocks like JP Hi-Fi before sale day? Is it all kosher? Because if you're investing long-term, it shouldn't really make a difference? I think that that point that you made there at the end, that's, that's, we'd agree with that. It, we wouldn't change our, our fair values or our recommendation on stock yeah. ahead of a sales event. But the other things you said are absolutely true. So Black Friday is the Friday after Thanksgiving, which always falls on a Thursday in the US. And it's a US shopping event that now has become massive in Australia. And what it actually means for the retailing industry, it's really interesting, is that most of the sales in each year would fall into December, so the mm. Christmas trading period. Yeah. But Black Friday, together with Cyber Monday, which is the Monday following that yeah. Friday, um, has drawn a lot of those sales forward into November. Mm. So for the last three years, not including this year, we don't know what the outcome is yet because December is yet to begin. But for the last three years, sales, retailing sales in November have been greater than in December. So so 
what that actually means for retailers is that that they get their sales in earlier. And to some point, you'd say that trading period over November and December, which has always been big, is somewhat de-risked because you get a lot of the sales up front. more upfront. Mm. And this year in particular, it could be a big benefit to retailers because the consumer right now hasn't really reacted yet dramatically to those freight rises that we've seen since May. Which is and, worrying. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of retailers have had a lot of stock and mm. a lot of inventory. And having that, have, managing that, obviously, the sooner you, you, you chew through that, you have more visibility. So for, for, for retailers this time around, this season, it's actually very beneficial that, mm. that November is now such a big trading month, especially mm. around Black Friday. So retail's obviously a significant portion of the ASX, the, the broader stock market in Australia. And a lot of companies will, retail companies that we're familiar with, will be in the likes of A200, VAS, other ETFs and list investment companies that track sort of the broad Australian market. Do you think there's a particular type of investor who should be more exposed to retail? What are the kind of drivers that might influence an investor to go harder or have a larger portfolio exposure to the retail sector? Well, that's a that's a very difficult question for me to answer, and and it and it infringes perhaps on giving personal advice, which I'm I I, I just can't give. So so financial advisors best place to give recommendations there. But what I would say is what the re, what stocks in retailing offer. You have to put it in two different baskets because retail is not they're all not all alike. There's something called defensive retailing or consumer staples, day to day life items that people generally buy through upturns and downturns and demand doesn't really change that much for the consumer staples. And then there's cyclical retail stocks. So these are consumer discretionaries, they're also called. And they, as the the word cyclical suggests, demand there is cyclical and that will move with the the um, consumer health, if you like, and that's obviously driven by, by 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 income. So, so within retail, you have two different propositions. So you have the staples, which in Australia, uh, you know, big staple companies are Woolworths, Coles, and Endeavor. We 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 see liquor demand also as a staple, and. Um, they're they're mature. They're in mature markets with relatively low growth, but a lot of visibility on that. Uh, the markets are very um, consolidated, so you know, growing by grabbing more market share is almost not that possible, right? If you're already yeah. 50 percent of the market, in 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 the instance of Endeavor and Woolies and Coles together have seventy percent of the market. Yeah, so it's retention market. and yeah. But what it means also is if market shares don't fluctuate that much and if there's a lot of visibility on how how demand will grow because it's dictated by population growth and, and, and inflation, um, that means that earnings for those companies are fairly – you have a high degree of visibility, right? There, nothing's ever certain, but a, but a much higher degree of visibility. So you got – Higher, higher certainty around earnings, stable businesses, which means they can pay dividends. 
And that's that's the appeal to many investors that the consumer staples pay dividends that are that are that are more certain than others. So that's the appeal there for the consumer staples. On the consumer um, cyclical discretionary side, on the, side on, yeah. on the discretionary side, it's 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 a bit different, right? So like, it, it, you know, timing perhaps comes more to play there, right? Like where where are we in the cycle? Are these stocks over and undervalued? So they can at times be very overvalued or very undervalued, depending on consumer sentiment, depending on what's happening and 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 the current trading outlook. And within that space, there's actually still companies that have very high growth rates. So other, uh, you know, compared to Woolworths or Coles, they, they, they exhibit much higher growth rates. So uh, interesting you mentioned those companies, the sort of largest well-known, everyone's visited a grocery store. <laughs> but across the retail sector, do you think there's something unique about Australian retail stocks? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the unique thing is how consolidated, I mentioned that word before. So in terms of how how the market structure is, that's what I mean by that. And with consolidated, I mean, there's a few large players um, that have that, that dominate the market. So in food, I, I mentioned it before, as Coles and Woolworths have about 70% market share in Australia, followed then by Ali. And then you got all the independents that um, a lot of them are within that IGA banner network. And on the consumer discretionary side, you also have some markets that are fairly consolidated, thinking about consumer electronics there. So you've got uh, JB Hi-Fi and Harvey Norman um, really dominate that sector. However, and this is really the interesting development that's been happening in Australia over the last I would say the last five years, and and that theme is really continuing to play out, and that's something we spend a lot of time thinking and looking at is e-commerce, and so online retailing, because what that means, and it's so important for the cyclical stocks because they're non-food, and it's really difficult to do online and food, and it's really difficult to order food from overseas, especially fresh produce. Um, so I would say the discretionary retails are relatively well sheltered from from international competition and from new competition coming into Australia. But what's happened for consumer discretionary is that they're now with online, with higher and growing, growing rates of online penetration, so the, the number of people that buy online and sales online, they're exposed to much more international competition. And then here comes Amazon. <laughs> um, yeah. So Amazon entering Australia, and and they've they've introduced uh, more competition into that space. It's so interesting hearing about kind of the rationalisation of some particular markets, like grocery. There's not a lot of players. There's probably, uh, you know, price sensitivity, but not that much happening really between. They're kind of just like competing on colours and the different little things that they sell when you spend more than thirty dollars. The Ushis, anyway, it was a whole gimmick. That was that was. I could not believe how Australia lost its mind for those tiny little plastic figurines. Don't forget, calls this little little shop. 
Yeah. Oh, that was cute. Yeah, that was completely plastic waste, but that was adorable. Um, we were collecting them for our next door neighbors because their girls were building. It, do you know it built into a, this is how indoctrinated I am. It created a little grocery store and there was oh, like yeah. a super rare shopping cart. This is honestly marketing genius. Yeah. Um, but obviously investors have watched a very, very volatile market this year off the back of a bull market. Everyone's predicting we're pretty much, everyone knows there's a recession coming. It's a matter of when, how long, how bad. That sort of seems to be the prevailing sentiment, although obviously nothing is certain. Who knows what will happen? But I'm very curious to know about how did retail weather, and perhaps given you've spoken about the differences between discretionary and consumer staples, I wonder if it was a different, it was like a two-speed um, situation for those two different subsectors. What was the year like for retail? Well, let's let's maybe circle back a little bit and go all the way back to pre-pandemic when we weren't exposed to all that. And having a look at how those two subsectors of retail actually traded through through that big, 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 you know, market correction. Not it wasn't even a market correction, the market falling out of bed. Um, the ASX back in the day in in, in March hitting lows in, in late March. And if you look at those two sub-indices for consumer staples versus consumer uh, cyclicals, you can really see that defensiveness that we were speaking about for, you know, for the supermarkets, that that index didn't really get punished that much. It actually held up during that dip, whereas the consumer cyclical really, really got hurt. But then with all the stimulus following, and that's why I have to go back because, you know, there's so much happening in that space. And, yeah. and, and we're, still, we're still coming out of that is with all the fiscal stimulus and, and, and we had a lot of it, not just JobKeeper, but also people dipping into the superannuation, et cetera. Yes. There was a lot of spending in the cyclical space. So all of a sudden that sector ran and it ran hard. So back to your initial question, like what has been happening year to date? Well, consumer cyclicals, again, that subsector is down much more than the staples. So consumer staples are roughly down or following, you know, the the, the broader market, the ASX 200, whereas cyclicals have corrected much harder. But you have to go back beyond just January to see where is it coming from and what's happening. So that's a theme that, that we still see playing out into 2023 is that demand is still not normalized. It has, still hasn't normalized. Consumer, if you like, consumer spending habits haven't really gone back to where we were pre-pandemic. And when I, when I mean that, I mean a long-term trend of what we've been seeing over decades, how Australians spend their money, how they shop. We haven't gone back to that yet. It's really interesting to see the trends play out. What would you say, if you were sort of to pick some highlights and lowlights, what do you think were the highlights and lowlights for retail? And what do you think drove them? The big news is obviously inflation. Like that's right now what's, what's in the making and that's happening right now. And we're seeing a lot of inflation. When I, talk, when I, when I say that, I mean CPI yeah, growth. So the consumer, the consumer price, price index, index is, is just ramping up. And, and economists 
still see it peaking only now in December, right? That's 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 the forecast for many. We've seen a lot of food price inflation. We're all aware of that, right? You say most people have been in a grocery store in there yeah. more often than just once, and 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 prices are up. So that's that's been that's been a real real highlight in 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 the sense of how is that impacting earnings? How is that impacting valuation? And how sticky is that all? And there's a lot of things at play here. It's it's fairly complex because that's what's happening right now. This inflation piece is playing out. But at the same time, what I mentioned earlier, you're you're normalizing demand out of something that hopefully we, we only experience once in a lifetime, which is a pandemic with, with restrictions impacting demand with we spoke about that fiscal stimulus, like the government spending and putting money into shoppers' pockets, also impacting demand. And so you've got these pandemic events rolling off and, and being cycled and normalizing. Yeah. At the same time, you've got that inflation piece coming in, which is generally actually good for retailers, right? Especially in the in that first instance when inflation is kicking up. And if costs don't move, then, then the bottom line will will, will grow as well. But a secondary effect of CPI growth or, or price inflation is that, hey, consumers will go to their employees and say, can I have a bit more money because my, my real income is getting smashed. And that's what we're seeing at the moment. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a key concern for the Reserve Bank, for the RBA. There, what the RBA's worry is to get a price wage spiral, what they call it. So prices go up. People want to earn more money, have more money to spend, which means they're going to beat up the prices for for a finite pool of goods, Mm. right? Demand's going up again, prices go up, and you get that spiral. So that's what the RBA is concerned about because that'll keep inflation higher for longer. Um, But for the retailers and for the the earnings of these retailers – Yes, you got the inflation, great, standalone, but the secondary effect is now you got wage growth, right? So you got enterprise agreements that have been struck. So since since July this year, wages at, at the supermarkets have increased by a fair chunk. And rents are sometimes tied to inflation, for instance, or sales level. So that will go up. So you'd expect the, the cost structure to also inflate as a secondary effect. Mm. Well, we're seeing and you know, some some of the cost inputs, and that's not just retail, that's across the ASX, are rising. So think about Domino's, for instance, where a lot of their, their input costs are also increasing, like wheat, dairy, like cheese, think cheese, right? Yeah. For pizza. So so those are those are the two things that are new that are in the midst of playing out in 2023 for retail, it's really that inflation, which, as I said, mm-hmm. in isolation is, 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 is a positive. But then that cost inflation as well. So not just, just top-line price inflation, but the cost pressures. So you're seeing that that play out right now in 2023. And overlapping that, and that's something that maybe the market is losing its focus on, is really rolling off unsustainable, I would call them, um, spending habits or what we've seen during COVID. So that's still coming off. And that's that's a headwind. And that's a headwind or negative, if you like, for a mm. lot of consumer staple stocks, uh, consumer cyclical stocks, in our mm. view. 
So we've talked about highlights, lowlights. We've also talked about mm. what you see of those highlights and lowlights flowing into 2023 as headwinds and tailwinds mm-hmm. that are going to impact the retail sector. But let's talk about, let's spin it a little bit. Let's talk about the positives. What are you, what are the big moves happening in retail next year? So are we seeing uh, takeovers, any stragglers, a lot of M&A activity? We saw, you know, Endeavor Group kind of spin off its liquor and gambling arm and restructure. Are we going to see some a lot of that activity again or any other interesting things happening in retail? Well, M&A activity is very very difficult to predict, I would say almost impossible if deals aren't already on the table and, and to be able to comment on that. So I'll probably avoid heading down that way. But as you mm-hmm. said, we have seen some trends where, and I can speak around that and maybe we'll see a continuation, but mm-hmm. between the supermarkets, as you said, they've they've gotten rid of their gambling, both Coles and Woolworths and and partially yeah. a reason Trying for that. Trying to get onto those ethical indexes, yeah, clearly. Absolutely. So <laughs> ESG or environmental, uh, mm. social and um, governance. I mean, those Sorry. those are issues that 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 are increasingly concerning boards mm. and, and and the C suite. So mm. that that could be a trend that that we'll we'll, we'll see continuing going forward mm-hmm. is 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 more of a focus on you know carbon footprints and the like mm. uh other themes and i mentioned online before that's something we see as 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 a structural shift as a as, as consumers if you like migrating or changing from from buying at, at, at physical stores or brick and mortar as we call them mm. And, and increasingly shopping online, we see that trend continuing. Right now, right now, it's weak, it's weakening, mm-hmm. but we we see overall that 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 trend continues. So what that means for twenty twenty three and and you know for the year coming up Beyond. is mm. is those online players to really have that that tailwind, right? That 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 positive backing them and you know. Uh, online retail that we cover is Kogan, for instance, but we also predict the Amazon in Australia to do fairly well. Yeah. Well, before we wrap, I have one last question for you. I know as an analyst, fundamentally, you are allergic to hypotheticals, but indulge me, Johannes, just for this one. Imagine it's the end of 2023 and you've sat down to read the Retail Investor newspaper. What's the headline on the front page? My 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 fantasy is, or my my imagination is, uh, <laughs> I guess, so broad that I can't I can't pinpoint. I can give you scenarios, <laughs> but yeah, what I fine. what I would say what I would say what re- is really going to drive how how the sector and especially the discretionary part of the sector, right, the JB Hi-Fi's mm. and Harvey Normans of the world, what's going to drive that is is consumer spending. And what's going mm. to drive consumer spending is income. So how, how it all looks like and how, how 2023 pans out is, is really a, a, a combination of what is inflation going to do and what's RBA yeah. going to do. Mm. And the RBA has difficulties you know, predicting a few years ahead themselves. So <laughs> I won't try to do that myself. And mm. and that's that's really the key focus. That's really what we focus on, and what I would recommend investors to keep a close eye on, especially for the retailing sector. Is yeah, 
what is you know what is consumption what are the consumption drivers well as income it's especially real income and 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 mm. to keep keep a, an outlook on is inflation abating and will the rba stop tightening monetary policy and when and how quickly and trying to reach that interest spending is going to be a really interesting theme for next year and how that then has flow on impacts to every other sector which you know retail isn't isolated. It fundamentally depends on industrials, transport, your input cost. We talked about that earlier. So I think it's going to be very, very interesting watching how everything plays out next year. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, retail is a is a huge part of the market. If you think that about 60% roughly of our GDP is consumer spending. Wow. And a third of that, a third of that is retailing, what, what we would define mm. as retailing. So 20% yeah. Of our our economy, of our GDP, of our gross domestic product is is driven spending money by by shopping exactly. Yeah, well, that certainly underscores how important this sector is, and for any investors, whether they're investing in index funds or directly into specific equities, it helps to understand how the nexus between these industries and how they then ladder up into the overall economic performance of the country. So Johannes, thank you so much for coming on Big Swinging Stocks. I've learned so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and have a very Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah, Merry Christmas to you too, Alex. And thanks for having me and thanks, thanks for listening in. <laughs>